Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 17. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry, whether it's informally or as a vocation. It's a gathering place for believers who want to learn from God's Word how to minister more effectively. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, the book about the ministry. Today's thread covers chapter 6, verses 14 through 21, and the topic of how important your friendships are in your spiritual development or in your downfall as a person. I know a lot about this because my life in drugs began at age 14. Uh, I was a shy 14-year-old, and I was in the presence of a friendship circle of others who were also disturbed in some way. And I went over to a friend for a sleepover, and he pulled out a joint. And I'd never, ever considered it. I could never see myself doing such a thing. And yet, as he fired it up and handed it to me, then that was my beginning by... Two days later, I was connected to another kid in my neighborhood from uh, Louisiana, um, and he had just moved to our city, and he was way too worldly wise, and he began my initiation into more and more stuff like that, and as um, in an old Gene Rice sermon, sin took me farther than I wanted to go, it kept me longer than I wanted to stay, and cost me more than I wanted to pay. And I spent about four years just trying to get myself out of the pit that I had fallen into. But, you know, all along the way, uh, it was all connected to friendships. You know, I never, like, would sneak into a place all by myself to do drugs. It's a social thing. And I had a whole drug culture around me and friendships that kept me there. Well, thank God I got rescued by the Holy Spirit when I was in college. And then the flip thing happened. I have been so built up as a person and even as a leader for others through amazing relationships with people, uh, people who walk with God, you know, people who are personally uh, loyal and engaged and totally sold out to the Lord. And all through my life's journey, God has put these people in my path. And they have led me in right ways. You know, as they say, you become your friends, whether it's good or bad. Uh, this is a passage, uh, chapter 6, verse 14 through 7, verse 1. It's a passage about friendship, about uh, how difficult holiness is in a septic age. You know, I've been physically involved in building a missions house for the past two months or so. And I'm trying to keep the paint and the stain and concrete dust off of me. But at the end of a day of lacquering, I can taste it in my mouth for 24 hours or sometimes even two days. After work, I'm still, my, my gums are uh, split on the inside and I, I taste that stuff in my mouth, you know. And uh, under my fingernails, it's all through me, and it it will come on me unless I take great effort to avoid it. And I can't avoid most of it because it's part of the work. 
but I have to frequently, you know, wash it away. So at the end of the day, it's a good long scrub to get that stuff off of me. And it's a, you know, it's a maintenance issue. And some relationships are like that lacquer. You know, they get into you in a way that a normal relationship doesn't. And those relationships begin to move you. And I've had a few relationships in my life that were just like um, energized by dark spiritual power. And they were people that I just lost myself to somehow. And it drew me into what they were you know, promising. It wasn't healthy. And so Paul opens with that in verse 14. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's the premise of this whole passage. You know, the yoke, this yoke of alliance, that's where the trouble lies. And uh, Paul's going to explain that. The idea of the yoke is, you know, it's this appliance that if two big beasts are going to move together, you got to line them up. And they have to both agree to have this thing placed on them that binds them together. And it turns their bodies the same way. You know, they get lined up. And then you use your joint energies to pull in the same way and, you know, to move the world in one agreed upon direction. And since evil, you know, evil is not democratic and it's not nice. Evil is not going to agree with righteousness. It just won't agree. So if you're going to be able as a child of God to walk with the darkness, then you're the one who's going to end up moving. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, let's look at what it what this passage does not mean. First of all, we know it does not mean we're not to have redeeming friendships with lost people. Because Paul, who wrote this, and Jesus, his master, both uh, defiled themselves culturally by hanging out and spending time with people that were considered irreputable and people that you shouldn't be around if you're a good person. So that's not what we're talking about. Uh, Secondly, we're not talking about marriage. Marriage is not the subject of this passage. Uh, Although it's easy to see the parallels, uh, it's not a, you know, this is not a chapter about marriage. It's bigger than that. It's a principle that goes behind it because, you know, sin can be an isolated action. You know, a person just does something they know is wrong. But sin is also a power, and sin can become woven into your own social fabric. And then this fabric, you know, wrap you up like a straitjacket. And it happens when we willfully join ourselves into the lives. We get woven into the lives of those who stand against God. They stand against God's laws, God's rightful authority. And when we join with them and don't clearly mark ourselves because, you know, holiness requires you to mark yourself. And when we uh, don't mark ourselves as holy, because the word holy means belonging to God, set apart, not common. You know, that one's special. That one's mine. You know, it's like God putting his name on his stuff. And that's what holiness is is he set me apart. I belong to him. I don't even belong to myself anymore. And I certainly don't belong to this world, which is at war with him. So uh, if I'm going to be in relationship with uh, 
those who are opposed to God, I need to be in relationship that makes me a representative of that God and at least identifies me as being on his side. You know, but Paul here, he's talking to Christians who are so in love with this world and they're so attracted to money, sex, and power that they don't even seem to feel conflicted about their participation and their alliances with, um, with evil in their community. They're just part of the gang. You know, they have the same culture. They got the same clothes, same value system. They speak same kind of language. They use the same kind of words. Uh, same tone, you know, same habits, same appearance. And Paul's trying to give a wake-up call that, hey, this is wartime between darkness and light. And it's not a small thing to be a collaborator with the prince of darkness and his human army as they war against the prince of light. You know, for Paul, there's not much gray area here. You have to pick a side. Because after, you know, if any country gets invaded and there's a, there's a war and they are able to push back the invaders, once that war gets settled and the invaders are gone, one of the very first orders of business is to find and punish those who collaborated with the enemy. Because, you know, as the invaders come flying through the border and maybe they have early victories and they appear to be the ones who are going to, you know, take over, there are always those people within a, a country who are disloyal and they start to make friends with the invaders and they start to join them socially and they eat food with them and they enjoy carousing with them and they start getting rewarded by the invaders. And after a while, they are helping these invaders and they have turned on their own king, their own people, their own laws. And they stand with the, you know, with the uh, the invaders, and Paul says that's what's happening to you. You know, you're becoming collaborators with evil, and it, you know, it all happens so gradually. You get this uh, question, this job that calls on you to do questionable things, and they, you know, they give you golden handcuffs. They give you all this money, and you you just don't dare walk away. And they can ask you for more and more and push you farther. And the pay's just too good. Or you get into the circle of a person and for whatever reason you develop a sexual attraction to them and, and you're just mesmerized after a while. And they're just drawing you away. Or you find a, a group, you know, a group that, that uh, in, invites you out and you've got social interaction now. It's like, you know, a group of people to hang out with and it's just so cool to have somebody. And But it's it's... It's a little bit dark and it's pulling you away and the conversation is crass and the, the things they want to do are not healthy and it's taking you somewhere. Or maybe you get a new business opportunity, but it's got an aspect to it that doesn't really seem ethical. And uh, But, you know, there's money involved and, and you know, maybe, maybe it's all appealing to you and, you know, it's so gradual. And that's what this passage is about. It's about collaborating with the agents of spiritual Babylon as they work to bring spiritual bondage to your nation. And that by being silent and endorsing and being a social partner with them, you become an endorsement to them. And uh, that's bad enough, but then it begins to affect you. 
and it draws you and you become like them. Paul's talking about a yoke, this thing that binds you together with people who are against God. They're opposed to God, and yet we can become bound to them. He's talking about partnerships. He's talking about things you join, things you're, you can become a member of, about family, about friendship, about the club, you know, about the inner circle, about many different ways that humans stand united in agreement with each other when sometimes there's things about those people that you know are just wrong. You know, it's really important. All of our parents hopefully told us it's really important to choose your circle of friends well. Uh, It's even more important to consider carefully before you go into a deeper level of commitment to somebody who's a business partner or some club that they want you to join. You know, in the church that uh, I was raised in, I'm still in, um, we used to have a thing called a practical commitments and it had, it was a section in our, in our doctrines. And it said, okay, looking at the way the world works, we, we believe these common practices are, are not right. They're not healthy and we shouldn't be part of it. And one of those was uh, membership in secret societies. You know, in the 1800s, there was this explosion of, uh, of different secret societies from, uh, you know, we already had the Masons and then you had uh, Knights of Columbus and then lots of others. But the point is, you know, they, they, they do these rituals and they take you into secret places and you've got to call down all these curses on yourself if you ever reveal the secret. And, you know, once you're bound into such a society, it has great potential for evil. Who knows what all, you know, where all it can take you. Uh, and, yeah, they might stand up for each other, but it can also go a lot of other ways. And, and I'm, that's the kind of thing Paul's concerned about. He says you're, you're joining with with people, you're saying, oh, but, you know, it's a, oh, for example, I'm not going to beat up on uh, Masons, but you don't have to dig too deep to get into the rituals. And it's like you just prayed to that Egyptian God. You just said, why? Why would you do that ceremony? You know, you're you're a believer. Why would you say those things? You know, well, it's just, you know, it's just part of the ceremony. It's a word. You made a prayer. You took a vow. You called a curse, you know. Paul says you got to make a choice. It's it's important that you choose the the deeper circles of your life. They affect you, and and most important of all, your partnership in marriage. It affects you more than anything else in life. So it's easy for me to see how this verse has been applied to the yoke of marriage, and people would do well to listen to the message behind this passage. But, you know, this message is talking about uh, kind of on two levels. On the one level, it's the main choice. Uh, Don't if there's someone who's an anti-believer and you're a believer, you need to make a choice. You know, you can't bind yourself in deeper ways uh, and as though you're walking as an anti-believer, too. But it's not the only thing Paul says about this subject. When he's talking about yokes, you know, he he has already referred to this. He wrote this church once already, and he said, don't associate with sexually immoral people. Uh, One, you get marked by it, but secondly, you become enticed to it. And so some of the people in church have gotten, uh, you know, convicted by what he wrote. And so they have started to withdraw from all social interaction 
with unbelievers. And Paul writes them in 1 Corinthians 5 verses 9 and 10 to correct their misunderstanding. And he says, I'm not saying not to be around people who do wrong things, immoral things. He said, for that, you'd have to leave the world. I'm saying I was talking about fake brothers, you know, people within what looks like within the body of Christ. We have to be discerning about those relationships, too. I mean, there are a lot of Christians who've gotten drawn into fornicating, a fornicating relationship. And they're just like in they're just bound to this person. Hey, they met in church. It's part of their church life. Uh People that have gotten involved in everything from get-rich-quick schemes to using people in the church to sell this or that product for you to all the different conflicts of interest things that would you know that do do uh, violence to the body of Christ. Paul says, "I'm talking about those people. You know, they claim to be brothers, but they're they're not among you for brotherhood." They're among you still living in all their immorality and yet calling themselves believers. So we have to also be careful in the binding of ourselves with people who might even claim to be Christians. This whole concept, the yoke. So we need to be discerning about all this. Uh, Verse 16, 14 through 16, Paul wants to talk about separation. He wants to talk about holiness within this church because we cannot minister to others unless there's a separation between the people of God and the surrounding culture. We can't influence other people toward Jesus unless we are marked in their eyes as being radically devoted to Jesus alone. You know, our loyalty to Jesus has to be above any human tie. He made that so clear. So Paul asks five questions about the the way it will compromise us to bind ourselves to people who have dramatically different loyalties than you do in the Lord. And he's going to draw these questions. It's five, and he's going to hit you like a machine gun with them. And he draws these questions from a reference he's making to Deuteronomy 22.10. And that's that passage that, that tells the people of Israel they're not supposed to mix things that don't go together. Like you don't put a donkey and an ox in the same yoke. And you don't mix seed when you sow your fields. You keep things pure. Uh, and here's the five, five questions that he asks. Number one, what fellowship can you possibly build between righteousness, that means rightly related to God, rightly walking with God, between righteousness and lawlessness. Lawlessness means I hate authority. I don't want God to be God over me. I want to be my own little God. And Paul says, "What? how can you be bound with a person like that? What communion can there be between light and darkness? What a covenant can there be between Christ and the devil? What partnership can there be between a believer and an anti-believer? What agreement can be reached between the temple of God and idols? I want to read this in the, uh, in the message translation. He says it like this. Don't become partners 
with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership. That's a war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a serious call that has been present from the very beginning of Scripture. You know, the, the holiness standard that God uh, marks his people as different. And, and they are required to stand alone because of that. Now, you know, okay, so that's the, that's the heavy part of this lesson. Excuse me a minute. But now we switch to what I just think is such a huge offer. You know, on the one hand, the father says, separate yourself, step away from these people. But now he begins to explain why you need to separate yourself, what you get if you separate yourself. If you choose him above everyone else and every other loyalty and you don't let any human relationship ever get in the way or uh, take the place of him or uh, cause you to lower your loyalty. You know, if you stand firm in Christ, this is what he says. First of all, verse 16, he says, you will be the temple of the living God. As God has said, quote, I will dwell in them and I will walk among them. You know, there are people that that love God and walk with God and some of the most beautiful times in my life have been sitting in a room with people. Some of them I just met uh, and some of them I might have known. But just letting people put words to their walk with the Lord, you know, things they've seen God do, things God has told them, times that God has come through for them and just share that, you know, like what Malachi says, those who who love the Lord spoke of often one to the other about these things. And the Lord listened and wrote it down in his book of remembrance. You know, I will dwell in them individually. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's a huge reward. Uh, chapter seven, verse one and uh, sorry, uh, six, 17 through seven, one. So it says, therefore, remember that come out from among them. You know, that's us. We have to do that. God's not going to do that for us. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So Paul ends it by saying, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So that's the first part of it. Let us cleanse ourselves. And, you know, like what I was talking about in the, in the construction work 
and I get this stuff all over me that's hard to get off. I have to use thinner to get it off, and then I got to use something to get the thinner off. But it's I can't let it build up. I need to keep myself clean of that stuff. I don't want it in me. I don't even want it on me. And that's what it's like to live in a toxic world. We have to cleanse ourselves. And there's so many things that the world brings to us, you know, through our 24-hour connectedness now to the Internet and all things wonderful and filthy that are in the Internet and all this stuff, you know, just flooding into our our minds. And Paul says, you know, we need to call time out. We need to take a look, an inventory. We need to cleanse ourselves. Don't make God do this. We need to clean ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. So things that connect to my body. Am I drinking too much alcohol? Am I what things are getting into me, uh, into my attitude, into my mind? He says it's it's your flesh your physical man and your spirit, your mental side, filthiness in both these areas. You know, is your mind uh, full of uh, of lustfulness? Is your mind full of an uh, attitude against other people? Is your mind full of pride? You know, take these times alone and ask the Lord. You know, I do a thing. Uh, I'm just starting it this year, but I'm really enjoying the practice. And that is I only live by quarters. And the last day of the quarter, I take off. And I, I spend that day um, reliving the past 90 days. And I look at what there is to celebrate. I look at my failures the last 90 days, things I could have done better at. I uh, look at all the photos that I've taken in the last 90 days. And I think it all through. I taste it. I celebrate it. And now I make my plans for the next 90 days. And I think it's a good time to you know, do, a clean, do a cleansing four times a year at least. Uh, to say, you know, Lord, help me to clean myself up. I'm in a filthy world. It's easy for this to get inside of me and make some new policy changes. Get this stuff out. Uh, And then the last part of that, I love chapter 7, verse 1. The end of it, Paul says, let's cleanse ourselves from all this filthiness. And then this line, I love this phrase, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness I love that phrase. You know, it's a, he's telling you it's a process. That holiness is not, a, you know, there's the holiness that God did where God marked us. And then there's the holiness we walk in. And the holiness we walk in is about our daily choices, the things we think about, the things we say, what we do with money, what we do with power, our sexual standard, the way we interact with other people, what we do secretly, what we do in, in the open for everyone to see. And Paul says, let's perfect it. You know, God deserves perfect holiness that we just continue to work on it, continue to work on it. And then he says, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And that fear is a a word for reverence. I'm going to do this process. I'm going to live in this process out of my reverence for God. You know, I would never shame or be disloyal to my amazing mom or dad. Uh, even Sherry's mom, Audrey uh, Smith, has been so amazing in my life. She welcomed me into their family. And I would just never do anything that would shame or or appear disloyal to her. And Paul is saying, be like this with God. You know, Perfect holiness out of your reverence for him as your father. I mean, look at what he just promised you. 
I mean, who are we that God should say, I'm going to make you my temple and I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to be with you 24 hours a day. I'm going to live in you and I'm going to walk among your community. You're going to see me present among you. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. It's like, wow, that God would promise that to me. Yes, I will perfect holiness out of the fear of of God. So, my friend, let's clean house, okay? A lesson like this needs some quiet time before you move on. So, let's let's all just take some time and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about anything in our life that needs cleansed, any habits that are creeping in, any relationships, any patterns with this world uh where this world's trying to draw us into Babylon because we have to stand firm and do our battle because if you know if, until we have a state of I'm going to call it relative <laughs> it's a terrible line relative holiness until we've got a basic balance in our spiritual life and and we're walking in victory it's very hard to be of any use to the lord because you're just like a sinking person trying to keep your head above water there is a place above water my friend and if you're battling something that's a little too big for you I promise you there's an answer to this. There are people all over the world that have defeated that exact same thing, and you can defeat it too. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. All right. Can I ask you to do one favor for me uh, as we close off today? I'm going to include a link in the show notes to a survey so that I can know you better and I can understand what your needs are right now. And that way, I and our team can create content that provides real help to you on your journey because you're a change agent living in the last days. And that you need, you need, special, you need a special diet. So click that link, please, and take that survey and let me know what's going on in your life. All right? That's all for now. Uh, if you're enjoying Thread Podcast, please share it with your friends. Just use the buttons in the player at the bottom of the screen. And this week, expect God to use you because you are the light of the world. So shine it.